Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Duran is with us. And the question that we've been asking Dan Duran for uh, days in a row now. Yeah. Will you or will you not you be joining us for the news today? I will join you for there, the news. There we I go. I will be there for the news today, yes. Mm-hmm. Finally, Fred, something to look oh. forward to on this show. Oh, it's just wonderful. Just wonderful. <laughs> I'm so excited that we're back to normal. All the norms. Um, God, I got just a page full of stuff. When we don't do a show, we miss a day. We miss Friday. It just piles up the amount of things I, I want to go. Oh, I want to tell Fred that. Oh, I'm going to tell Dan that. Oh, maybe I should write this down. Or is this too stupid? Mm-hmm. How much is too stupid? Well, there's that's the thing about you guys. You never know what's going to land. You know, I brought up something about tipping the other couple weeks ago. And I thought, well, this is just some innocuous subject. And we've had like 50 emails about it. So you never know what's going to land. For instance... Well, you know what? This is going to take a minute. So why don't we get Dan Duran to start the show? Because that's part of our policy, a show starting policy, so that we don't delay uh, these important messages from our sponsors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. I'm sorry. Were you not? Oh, oh, you couldn't hear it because my original sound was off. Okay. All right. Let's not. Okay. Let's not start a big thing. All right. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto, from our cottage-like Brampton facility, and from Lisa's house in Peterborough. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Air Adventures, evnet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Architect Outdoor Living, better building by design. And now, here are two men who feel lost after the Leafs lost last night. La, la, la. They could really turn their attention to the Ontario Maple Leaves that are opening up to provide us a green canopy of hope and bring us feelings of well-being. Just before the impending apocalypse leading to our dystopian future, it's Humble and Fred. Down, 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 down. I don't want this to turn into an episode of Aging with Energy, the old guy's travel show. But uh, speaking of aging, this is something I noticed. I just wanted to ask you two, because Dan Duran, as many people know, is a very handy character and oftentimes is involved in man work where he'll, you know, you cut yourself or, you know, you bump into something and it happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have noticed as I've gotten older, I've had a cut on my hand, on the back of my hand. Just a small cut. This is like week three with this thing. Like it's it's scabbed over. It's 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 healing. It's just not healed. Have you noticed not happening that, in record time? Is what but, you're saying? Well, or? it's not. Ha- that's the thing. I was gonna. Say. It's not happening. In it seems to be happening very very slowly. I don't know what to say. Um... I've had similar things I've noticed. Yeah, I guess it's part of the aging process, Howard. You don't heal as quickly. You're not as vibrant. Do you remember when you were a kid, like Johnny Slapshot's age? You know, you're 10, you're 12, whatever years old. You'd scrape your knee and the cut would literally close up. 
you know, before your mom put a Band-Aid on it or she'd put a Band-Aid on it one day, you'd open up the next day to be completely healed. Dan, you know, you are, you've been on a project now uh, for 18 or 20 months. I don't know how I've lost track. Yeah, a couple of years now, right? And, uh, but you, you know, how about you're, you cut yourself? You s- get scrapes? Yeah, all the time. And uh, have you know, what have you noticed about your healing powers? Well, I, you know, the only, uh, yeah, I haven't really noticed any change. I'm sure there is, is some. I do notice that I have been hurting myself in the same spot over and over again. That's been happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can I opened the door, but forget it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that, Freddie? I said that opened a door, but forget it. Every time he turns around, that thing bangs into something. But Oh, well, yeah, that thing. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> you know, but we won't go there. <sighs> right. Yeah. But I uh, do buy the Costco paddock of Band-Aids every, uh, every season when that pack comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, I use yeah. a lot of the Band-Aids. Yeah. Um, you have Stan. The other day, I had a little cut, and I let Dougie, my uh, son's dog, lick it. And Doll's going, don't let him lick that. When I was a kid... That's what you did. If you got a cut or something, you go over to the dog and let the dog lick it mm-hmm. because they have something within their saliva that actually does seal a cut quicker. Like, it, it just does. Everybody knows but she that. thought that was gross, but I thought, no, this is good. I, you know, you let the dog lick it. Absolutely. And, and I know I know if that's an old wives' tale, but the, that dog's saliva have some kind of healing qualities to them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I don't. I don't think a dog licking an open wound is going to transfer. Like, I'm going to wake up the next day with distemper. <laughs> you know, it does I've s- always got that. <laughs> That's right. You've got a bad distemper. Um, it does seem a bit unsanitary, though. I mean, on the surface. Dan, did you ever let uh, Clifford, R.I.P., uh, lick any of your wounds? No. Because it's, <laughs> it's gross and, you know, because dogs lick things. That you I know. Think. Why would you, you, you know, but I never really, really you guys, you guys let dogs lick your feet. Yes, we do. I, uh, it grosses me out. I never let that come happen. On. You I mean, never come let on. beautiful well, Clifford look at, look, lick yeah. your face. No, you're right, Dan. We shouldn't because look what's happened to us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that that's really my go-to these days. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Well, okay. Yeah. Here I am, 67. What's it done to me? <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know there are two types of people in the world. People that let dogs lick their faces and people that are dead to me. <laughs> Well, that's pretty polar opposite. But well, yeah, okay. I just don't understand it. Like, if you have a dog and it's showing, I don't know if that's affection or some kind of, you know, pack mentality to whatever it is. But I, I just said goodbye to Stan upstairs and we had a moment. He licked my face and I was like, you're a good boy. Do you lick him back? I, if he wants it, if he, if he asks for it, I do. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because... Is it? Other than being... <laughs> other than being... Intimate. You wouldn't let another human being lick your face. You know what I mean? You mean just I, randomly? I, yeah. Yeah. Like Dan comes over. Hi, Howard. Walks over, licks your face. That's not going to happen. Or like, and even you, if he wanted to, it would be just be so over the top gross. Yeah. Like, ooh. Oh no! But you no. let you let a dog do it. But you know, when Dan was here several times, I asked him to lick my wounds. <laughs> I said, Dan, come over here, lick this. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, it is a weird thing, and Dan, I don't even know if it is affection. I, I'm sure somebody listening might know if that's actually. It, it's some kind of pack thing where it's he's they're showing grooming or yeah something like that 
maybe yeah, uh, salt for sure. Sweat. Yeah, I think that's that might be it. The 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 number one part of it is the salt. They just love it. Like if I've been working like around the house or something, and Dougie comes in, like he'll just start licking my arms more than they just. If there's any type of salt being emitted they just they're all over it yeah like a, you become a big salt lick for them i think that's it too uh yeah. i was gonna i did was i actually hadn't written this down on my notebook but i had i thought to tell you too i took stan for the first time in about four years to a vet uh partly because i just realized his you know his, his rabies vaccination had lapsed and and I didn't want to get into a whole discussion about this because I thought this would it, because Dan's gone through some stuff and with vet bills and uh, we've talked about this on the show before where how much veterinarians cost. But I went in there and uh, he I wanted to just get him examined. He's been having some trouble. There's one of his legs is bugging him, I think, a little bit. And he's just licking it. And, you know, he's old. He's got some arthritis, I'm sure. And he's got some cataracts developing and, and i just thought a vet should see him and i thought of you guys because after the vet had examined the dog and suggested a few different things some different vaccinations and of course i got his heartworm pills for you know just for four months they wanted me to get him heartworm until the end of the year but i said no no just the summer what do you think they first estimated my vet bill to be this is just like and and really with nothing too specific wrong with him but I will give you a hint. She looked at Stan's teeth. She went, his, all his teeth are broken in the front of his canines. I'm like, she goes, what's that from? I go, well, he licks, he bites, he eats sticks for a living is what he does. Mm. You know, he gnaws. He's been gnawing on sticks his entire life. So, yeah, his teeth are crumbling a little bit. So what do you think my estimate was just for a little visit there to the vets? And, and where was the vet? Just down the street from me. Mm. Toronto. No. Mm-hmm. More expensive than it could have been, and probably less expensive than it could have been, depending on the location. Well, my location is right here in the big city, so right. But they're notorious for that. Too. Oh yeah, setting their prices based on the community. Yeah, like in Forest Hill, you would pay like anyway. Uh, I don't know, three, four hundred bucks, probably thirteen hundred dollars for what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, so she comes back, and as, this is all the estimates. Getty's teeth done, oh, oh, a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, right. no, 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 no. We're fine for now. His teeth will be fine. Mm-hmm. I said, if his teeth are giving him problems, I'll come back. But I got it. I basically took it all the way down from 13 to 3. Mm-hmm. A couple of vaccinations oh, and the examination and a couple things. But it was like 350 That you actually had to pay. Yeah, that I wanted oh, to pay. No, I know, but you had, that's what I mean. When I gave you the estimate of about three or four hundred bucks, I, I was thinking the work done, not, yeah. not the work suggested. Uh, yeah, I know. Suggested. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's what it is. You know, and this whole dog dental thing is like really out of control because up, up until recent history, you never heard about it. And the whole time I was growing up, dogs came and went, 15, 16, 17 years old, and teeth were never really an issue. They may not have looked good or no, something no, exactly. accessed and it really had to be attended to. But this preventative dog dental stuff? Oh, come on. Well, you went through it, Dan, with uh, Clifford R.I.P. Uh, yeah. And his, he had some dental work. It was, it was very expensive. Yeah, I had to you know, two times. I had to pull teeth out of his uh, head because they were, you know, rotting so much. Yeah, I don't know for whatever reason. However, he, you know, was 
is uh, just uh, his his uh, teeth were always stinky, and uh, mm. you know I brushed him a lot. I you know I brushed his teeth. He did. I I witnessed it. And uh, you know, it just it didn't work. So <clears throat> those those bills were all like because they put them under and then they pull them all out. It's at least yeah. fifteen hundred bucks a time. Yeah, and that's and, and that's uh, up here uh, vet bill territory because it's a little yeah. cheaper in the in the country. And I get it if the dog's under distress and it, you know it's a painful thing like you know a leg or a hip or something. I get it, but they. Uh, I remember it. It started. I don't know, whenever it started, and whenever I would take Billy to the vet, it was always this, well, you know, this dental program, we really highly recommend this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. And back then it was six, seven hundred bucks, and now, of course, it's ballooned like everything else. But I, It was just, I was a very, listen, they're great vets, and they took care of him, and he was great. And there was a few essentials I needed to get. Well, I got to update his vaccines and things like that. And then the examination is cost what it costs. But it's just the upselling of the veterinarian experience, which I, I kind of found funny. Uh, this just came in from uh, Brian Barnett, Humble and Fred listener, says certain proteins in dog saliva dandoran uh-huh. called histatins can defend against infection. And research has shown that there are other beneficial chemicals in a dog's saliva that can help protect cuts from infeccione. Now, there you go, Dan. You missed an entire opportunity because you've been covered with in cuts the entire time I've known you. You, you, you could have been protected uh-huh. with your dog's uh, histatin. I'm sure if you did enough research on that, the histatins or whatever would be overwhelmed by, you know, the uh, E. coli that's sitting in the, you know, the back corner yeah, of the left that's molar. That's right. The fact that he just ate his own shit. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> that's, that is a very good point, Dan Duran. <clears throat> well, that's in the backyard here. I have tons of rabbits and there's rabbit shit all over and my two grand dogs go out there and hoover it oh, yeah. while, they're, while they're doing it. I mean, they just love it. And while they're they doing do. it, you're thinking, oh, my, that's so grotesque. And then a half an hour later, you forgot all about it, and they're licking your face. So. That's right. You've got an open wound, and some rabbit shit's getting in there. <laughs> but listen, if a dog has a cut, what do they do? They just lay there and lick it and lick it and lick it. Yeah. You know, and they look at it. You don't put necessarily, well, I never put a bandage on a dog. You just let them deal with it. So there's got to be something going on there. There are stantons, yeah. Uh, well, that's what worries me a little bit about Stan's back left hind leg is that he is licking it a lot. And it's, it's you know, when a dog's hurt sometimes, if you touch it, he'll, he'll wince. But in this case, he's not wincing. Like, I can grab it and, and sort of twist it around a little bit. What's, what I think's happening, and the vet sort of thought the same thing, is that, you know, he's getting some inflammation and some arthritic kind of pain because he's always trying to comfort himself so i'm gonna keep an eye on that because that is something i don't want him to be in any discomfort the sweet little boy no yeah no not at all have did you ask the price to put him down well i said listen uh if he has to be put down what is the price for both of us <laughs> you're going together aren't oh you? i've told you that daniel i'm going with stan when stan goes i'm going that'll be enough oh, wow. that'll be enough for me how old well, Stan now? Eleven. Okay, so a couple more you're, years. A couple ending, more years. Well, your ending is imminent. I'd say a couple more years for a sixty-three-year-old man is uh, imminent. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I've well, done I what I've had to do. I've done what I've. I, listen, what else is there to do? 
What else is there to do? Uh, do either of you two have any reports from the weekend? And Dan, of course, uh, once Dan goes off to uh, research his newscast, Fred and I will be talking a little bit about the uh, Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I watched zero. Oh, that's not true. I watched 11 seconds of the coronation. You, fe- you fellows? Nope. Not one second. Not one second. I think I saw a picture. Uh... They were placing the crowns on their heads because, mm. yeah, she, I forgot. She gets the part a crown, too. She yeah. becomes queen. Is she really queen? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a queen? Yeah. So I thought she was something like that. I don't know. I don't know if she had a different name. So she's a queen. Dan, did you watch any of it? Yeah, I did, actually. Uh, but only because that was up at that time. I was looking at some news, ca- you know, news pages, and it was like, you know, there's the live whatever. So, okay, I'll see what's going on. And you know, it was, it was boring. Yeah. It was, that was, you know, he, the whole thing is like you'd think the guy was waited all his friggin' life into his seventies to be king of you know the planet or whatever, and here he is. He's like it's such a solemn kind of goofy. You know, he just, doesn't look happy at all. Nobody looks mm. happy. Nobody I don't. Happy, I just but. not to correct you, but I don't believe he's becoming king of the planet. I, I don't think so. In fact, okay. interesting statistic: when he was born. Um, they, there was a uh, 34% of the planet was under a monarchy. Uh, that's down to 9% living under a monarchist uh, state. I look at it all as a missed opportunity. Number one, you know, to move on from the whole thing. Of course, that's not going to happen. Wishful thinking on the part of anti-monarchists. But it also maybe was an opportunity in these times of, you know, a lot of Brits are struggling like Canadians and Americans around the world. Maybe say, you know, listen, we'll have a ceremony. Put the crown on my head. That's cool. But you know what? Let's forget about all this nonsense on the streets and the hundreds of millions of dollars to stage this thing. That would have been a good opportunity for him as sort of the new era king to maybe take that stance. But again, wishful thinking. 62% um, of Canadians, I think you had this stat last week, uh, are not in support. And uh, almost no one wants to see him on the 20. But as far as what the, the pomp and circumstance, the 11 seconds I watched, the one thing I did take away was these kids in this cathedral. And... I think, you know, to, to be fair, I watched uh, an entire song of and what was fascinating to me, Daniel, is these young boys and girls uh, being able to sing at this momentous occasion. And I was sort of thinking about what a thrill that must be for them, whatever their whatever choir was asked to sing. And and they were they were singing nonsense Jesus songs, but still, <laughs> you know, still, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. And then there was, of course, the nonsense Jesus guy, and they're funny. You know, how come nobody questions the fact that all these grown men are walking around? They're so worried about trans people in the States. But meanwhile, they got all these grown men walking around in basically big dresses, talking about a guy that, you know, died thousands of years ago, allegedly, you know, and, and as though he really were the son of a god. I mean, it's it's quite something. You know the thing that bugged, bugged me the most about it was the uh, the whole King of England, uh, the, the King of the Church of England. Now he's the, he's in charge. He's the oh, ceremonial yeah. guy in charge of it. Because you know, back in uh, Henry the Eighth days, when he got he wanted to d- divorce, he created his own church. So ever since, you know, the <laughs> king. So what's, what what the king is? What does like, that tell you about religion? The guy created <laughs> his own church. No, I know. 
Well, there's a few out there that have done that. Yes. Isn't it interesting? Um, interesting. Is it? Is well. I mean, I had a house full yesterday, and again, we were talking about, you know, f- the four or five mass shootings yesterday in the United States. Oh, that's right. And then the Second Amendment comes up. There are things in our society that it's just basically accepted that we must evolve. This must change. And then you look again at the Second Amendment or what we saw in Britain on Saturday, you know, be it the church, whether the ceremony. It's like, but no, no, that's got to, that remains. That, uh, you can't screw with that. And so much of it, just when you watch it, it's like, it's just silly now. I would say this, like, you know, in, and we talked about this last week, in England itself, they're like Disneyland. They're like an attraction. And and whatever it costs, and I wouldn't say it was hundreds, I, I would say it generated hundreds of millions of dollars in interest in whatever for the country of England. And I would say this, let them have them. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, I, and I mean it, let them, that's, mm-hmm. it's good for them. People go to England. It's an attraction. It's like Disneyland. The rest of us, we don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I used that word too. And I wrote down like, it's time to move on. Yeah. And it ser- doesn't serve us. We're not ge- we're not getting that benefit. It's no there's no tourism out of it. There's no money generated. But for them, it is. And you know what? Good on them. Let them have it. But and I get that. I, I, I think tourism and people coming to look at um, Buckingham Palace and everything. I, I just think it may have been a good move on his part this time to maybe cut back on that and send a message to the people. But again, um wishful thinking i often wonder you know you often hear that math yeah it's going to cost us this but it's going to bring in that and it's who actually sits and crunches those numbers and at the end of the day you know does that actually take place well i, I mean there's no and who knows i was you know in those I mean? meetings i wasn't in many of those meetings yeah <laughs> my although my one big takeaway from saturday was for Camilla, like what a day! Like you get up in the morning, there she is becoming the queen of England. The afternoon, she's running in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, it really was. It really it was just something else. It was amazing. It really was. Yeah, yeah. she had a lot. She finished very, second last. She was a very. Bu- it was a very busy day. I, I watched the Derby. I watched it this morning, actually. I don't have to watch. It's funny how great our world is. I don't have to watch it when it was on. I watched it this morning. And at one point, the two favorites were in the two favorites were in second to last and last place. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) what a joke that was. And the one, do you know the name of the the horse that won? Madge or Mage? Mage. Mage. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, being a guy that had horses as a kid, I thought it was an interesting name for a horse because mage is very close to this thing, this disease that horses get called mange. Right. Yes. (laughs) Who thought that was a good idea? And now coming Mm -hmm. up in the stretch, here's mange full of parasites. Is mange a disease? Yes, it's a horse disease. So the mangy horse would be. That's what it is. It's. uh, I didn't know that. When a horse gets like mites and things, it's like they they get mange. Yeah, uh, although, you know, they call it the most exciting two minutes in sports. Yeah, I watched I it live. It, it's pretty cool to watch it live. But is it the, the most up. exciting two minutes? <clears throat> that's what they say. I mean, that's not what I'm saying, but that's what they call it. Yes, um, I know. <clears throat> but, uh, like, hours of 
pre-race stuff for the, these two minutes. And yeah. I started watching about a half hour before. I mean, it's pretty exciting, and you learn quite a bit while you're watching. And then me and neighbor, neighbor John picked a horse each, and if either one of us won, you had to buy the other guy a 2-4, which adds something to it while you're watching. Who did you pick? I picked um, two fills. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like two fills. And uh, he picked, uh, <clears throat> started with an S. Uh, okay. Selvage or, or something, I forget. But. Anybody own anybody beer now? No, neither okay. one. No. Neither one, okay. But Howard, the jockey of the, this was interesting, the jockey on the winning horse, mm-hmm. it was like he had multiple times he had been in the Kentucky Derby, finally won. And the first person he thanked was God. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What about the other 15 times? Well, he was busy. Jesus was busy those days. <laughs> Had no time for him on those occasions. But it was wild. Because they do that. As soon as they win, you know, the broadcaster, whoever it is, goes out on a horse and they do the interview, right? Well, they're still trotting around the track. And yeah. that was his first. that was his first response. You know, if I were Jesus and I got all these prayers for those things like the fucking Kentucky Derby, I would literally send a message back, a text at least, and say, hey, are you fucking kidding me? I'm a little busy to worry about your little horsey race. Um, By the way, speaking of the Kentucky Derby, now you and I were talking about why the Leafs-Panthers game was not on Saturday night, although I didn't mind a 6.30 start on a Sunday. It was kind of cool. I had heard from the uh, golf guys at uh, Glen Karen that one of the reasons was that the owner of the Florida Panthers had a horse in the Kentucky Derby. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I I said, well, let me check with Fred, because that was not the reporting that Fred, uh, you know, mentioned to me with some ESPN ABC thing. I find that um, for that to be the reason... I don't know, but if he owns the building, I could. I guess he could say the building is not available on Saturday night because I uh, usually it's for concerts or stuff. Right when there's a like the the next game's not till Wednesday. There's something going on in that rink now for two nights. You mean the last game, the upcoming yeah, the last, last game. game? We'll get to that. Um, and Daniel, where you did you pass a good weekend? Now that you don't live here anymore, I've lost track of you. Uh, were you at the oh, lake? Right. Is it lake time yet? I went to uh, yeah, I went to the lake. How was, was, how was the hobo exactly. trailer? How's the hobo uh, trailer? Is it good? It's, uh, holding up, holding right. up. Yeah, the uh, there was hardly anybody near. You know, the, it was very very quiet. Just uh, our buddy Bruce was up uh, working on his place a little bit, and we uh, and uh, went over and helped uh, our buddy Darren uh, drop his dock into the lake. So yeah, it was like all kind of relaxing, you know, worky kind of relaxing mm. up at the lake stuff. Did you enjoy some lake beers and some wine and? Uh, yes and yes and. Uh, now what? What is your choice? Like, what do you when you think of the lake? What wine do you go and get? What's a, a lake wine for you? Oh, I don't know if I've actually assigned a wine mm. to the lake. Just you know, it's a red wine for you. I have, you know, under $20. That's generally what I go for. Okay. <laughs> Something oh, in vintage usually. <clears throat> I thought you loved, I thought your favorite wine was OP. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
<laughs> That's funny. Do do smart jokes like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's go. That's what we used to call Fred's, Fred's coming up this coming weekend, right? Yeah, yeah that's what you're going to find. Yeah. Everything's fine there, except there's lots of lots of geese are pooping on Fred's lawn. Yeah. Mm. What else yeah. is new? Yeah. Isn't that, that joke used to be like, what kind of smokes do you like? Oh, peace. Other people's. <laughs> yeah. um, well, listen, Dan, before we let you go for the news, uh, there was something I noticed. Uh, I thought, well, this is silly, but maybe the boys will find something in it because... The, there was a discussion how Cirque du Soleil has moved their permanent tent from uh, the east end to over here where I live, just south of me, uh, down by the lakeshore. And uh, I'm, I'll, first I'll ask you, too, do you have any idea what the news... They always have these different shows, you know, Alegria and, you know, all these different... Uh, I know that's an old... You know, all the different names for Cirque du Soleil shows. Do you know the name of this one? Yeah, Leafa Lassa. <laughs> I wish it was. Leafa Lula. Uh, Dan, any idea what it's called? No, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's okay, like well. Six letters long or something. Yeah, it's called Kuza. K. Oh, right. Now, here's the thing. Is it just me? Hold on. I, I, I was thinking, every time I pass it, Kuza. And and I, I feel like an inf- like a juvenile, but what does it make you think of, Fred? What you're thinking of Well you say it then Because you're the only other person I thought would have the same thought as me Dan do you know what we're thinking of No See because you're a regular normal guy That's right You're a mature adult you're a mature trying to adult. figure out what word it is what's that, that what's that like to not have like, I know let's go through your mind it keeps you out of trouble absolutely because sure. he I, I, I here's the thing of I, I figured this was going to happen. Dan would go, well, Noah, that just seems like an interesting name to me. And I think it would be the same for most people. But I was, I just, I was hoping that one other person would have the same thought as me, and it would be him. Yeah. It, what is it? It's Coos Hole, though. <laughs> Coos Hole. How could they call their new show Coos Hole? <laughs> fuck. Oh, God. Wow. I know. I know. You've, never heard, you've never heard that, Dan? No, never heard that. No, Come right. on. No. Coos hole? I've yeah, never heard coos that. hole. <laughs> that word. <laughs> You've never heard? You got a problem there with the coos, dude. <laughs> thing? Wow. I know. Well, there you go, man. Yeah. That just wow. shows uh, that shows to go, yeah, that uh, this is why You've we've been doing this show. You just don't pay attention to that. <laughs> it's why we've been doing a show together for 33 years. Because I needed to know there was one other person that would have seen that and thought, oh, yeah, Coos Hole, that's a good show. <laughs> hey, are you going to Coos Hole? Loved it. Found it a bit strange. Uh, Dan Duran's news uh, in the next uh, half hour or 40 minutes or so. We're looking forward to Dan coming back. And uh, we uh, normally don't have guests on uh, Monday. Uh, but we're you okay there, uh, Uncle Joe? Uh, we don't normally have guests, but uh, we got a little just a drop in from a, a buddy of mine that has uh, spent years in uh, sort of executive coaching at a very high level. He's a uh, psychotherapist, and part of what he's done for a living is worked with NHL teams, particularly the uh, Detroit Red Wings. So um, we're going to check in with him, just talk a little bit about kind of the pressure of playoff hockey or hockey in general and uh, get his thoughts on uh, on a few things including you know what may be ailing your Toronto Maple Leafs but first here's Freddie with his informazione you've turned your mic off 
I'm sorry, I've been in a coughing fit here, Howard. Okay, sorry buddy. about that. Take um, a break. Take a break. We're not going anywhere. Just let me have one more, okay? <clears throat> yeah, go. <clears throat> I I can't explain that. Maybe allergies. Hmm. Uh, Chambers Plan Canada's number one uh, small. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you take two yeah, there? Canada's, Canada's just, top choice. Top choice for, for small business. Plan for small business. How many times have I said that? Anyway, if you have a small business and uh, you've always thought of a benefits package, go to chamberplan.ca today. Uh, you know, one great thing they've done with the Chambers Plan over the years is hold the line on uh, a premiums done a very good job on that very important for small business obviously you need to know what your costs are going to be and when you venture into something like a benefits package you need to know that so again do your research go to chamberplan.ca uh, get a free <clears throat> quote and uh, find out uh, you know different products are offered you could buy in at different levels it's all there again if you take the time to do that you'll be pleasantly surprised on how you can your business can, your employees can become part of the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Architect Outdoor Living, general contractors that specialize in outdoor projects only. This is the time of year, you know, get your head around the fact that finally the weather has ceased to suck, although yesterday was just a complete write-off. Another full day in Ontario of rain. But come rain or shine, Architect Outdoor Living, the largest and oldest outdoor living builder in North America, can help you get your ideas and bring them to life. Structures like porches, patios, outdoor kitchens, pool houses, hardscapes and decks. They build a lot of decks. They design and build beautiful outdoor living spaces for homeowners. And they're very, very good at it. Go to Archidec.com and check out the uh, check out the website. It's very interesting. And you'll get to see some of the work they do. And I've hit this before, but I want to make sure you understand. Not only are they experts in design and construction, not only do they put you first in the center of their business, but they back up their claims and their work with real warranties. This isn't a couple guys in a truck. Every project has a one-year warranty on workmanship and so many other sort of safety you'll, you'll, here's a great thing is you're going to feel good about this purchase you know it's uh it's well done it's well designed and it's well insured a-r-c-h-a-d-e-c-k dot com you okay over there i think i've uh cleared the uh, congestion. You know, I get that once in a while when you, you just all of a sudden can't, you get like a, mm-hmm. not a scratchy throat, but almost like you've, uh, you're unable to clear your throat. Uh, I met this uh, gentleman a couple years ago. We uh, kind of vibed together through golf. He is an uh, interesting guy. He spent a lot of his life, as I say, working with people all over the world as a leadership trainer, as an executive coach. As well, found himself working for some NHL teams, specifically the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, he's become a good friend of mine, Freddie. He's uh, he's interesting because most guys in the world of golf, if they take it up late, have no... It's hard to get to be very good at it. But he started... You'll love this. He started golfing around age 50, seriously, and became a scratch golfer, like an expert player. Uh, and now into his 60s, plays at a very high level and is helping golfers kind of in the same way that he used to help 
uh, NHL players and coaches. He's my buddy, Kent Osborne from uh, Barrie, Ontario. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning, Howard. Freddie, meet Kent. Kent, meet Freddie. Kent, nice to meet you, bud. Um, yeah, good morning, bud. One of the things you said to me yesterday that I thought would well, this would be perfect for the show is we were talking about hockey and some of the people you worked with. And I mentioned, you know, the pressure that the Leafs are feeling, etc. Kind of like Rory McIlroy at the Masters. And you said something I thought was interesting. You said, in your experience, coaches choke first before the players do. What did you mean by that? Well, um, I think that the I think the players in the room can sense what a coach really believes. I mean, I think there's the message and then there's a deeper message. I mean, a coach can go in and say all kinds of things about how he wants to play or how the team, what the team should do or not do. But his belief, you know, the, the, the pick, the images that he holds in his heart, that's what the players sense more than anything else. So, and I, I think that when, when a, and it's difficult to do, but when a coach allows the current results to dictate the pictures that he holds in his mind, that's when a coach, from my perspective, chokes first. Because what he's doing is he's really trying to avoid losing more than he's attempting to move his team toward winning. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned I had the years ago to work with the Red Wings. Well, I was very fortunate because I had the opportunity to work with Scotty Bowman. And from my point of view, this guy was an intuitive genius. I mean, he he knew... I mean, look, he had the knowledge piece. He had the left brain piece, obviously. He knew the X's and O's as well as anybody. But uh, you know, on the right brain side of thing, that intuitive, imaginative side of thing, that, that ability to, to, to really believe in what's possible, he, he was a genius in that regard. And, uh, yeah, anyway. Well, and the obvious question is, and people forget, Sheldon Keefe, is a rookie coach. He's never coached in the NHL before. And I heard that bantied around yesterday in the post-game discussions that, you know, Sheldon Keefe is being widely coached by Paul Maurice. What are your thoughts on that? And, and, you know, because the team just doesn't seem to be prepared for what they've been through. I'm going to be honest, Fred. I I haven't watched the series. I I, I watched the... uh, I watched the overtime goal last night just because Howard had asked. <laughs> I might be, I might be talking to you guys this morning, but um, so I have no idea. I've never met Sheldon Keith. I, 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 but ha- having said that, if, if he is being out coached, I don't think he would be out coached in terms of Paul Maurice knowing more about the game than Sheldon Keith does. Mm-hmm. If he is being outcoached, it would be because, you know, if if you've got this, if if you have this positive belief, and when I say positive, I'm not talking about being, like if you think about Bowman, for example, he was the most positive guy I've ever been around. But he wasn't positive in sense in the sense that he was friendly or, or compassionate or, or or you know a laughable guy. I mean, he was positive in the sense he was absolutely myopically focused on what he wanted, and he and he spent no mental energy focused on what he didn't want. Mm-hmm. So, and and he was a, and that vision, you know, he knew he knew what his team needed to do. He had a picture for what his for what each player needed to do. 
and that was so strong that that it could influence your your in-game decisions and these intuitive moves that you that you make adjustments that you make so if he's being outcoached and and I have no opinion as to whether he's not or he isn't but that would be that would be the root of it for me if if Maurice is a more of a believer then he's able to make these little intuitive moves and adjustments based on based on that vision of success as opposed to being based on how, how do we avoid losing in, in your experience and it's funny because I, I didn't even realize i mean it's it's become very uh, sort of uh you know, it's part of the game now in golf. They all have mental coaches, Bob Rotella, uh, yeah. a couple other famous ones. And I, and I didn't really realize until I'd met you. And of course, it makes sense that these teams all have guys like you, uh, mental performance coaches, just like they do in every other sport. So whether and we're going to once we let you go here, we're going to talk Maple Leafs and how the game sucked and blah, blah, blah. But I want to know from your perspective, because you said something about you'd been around Bowman for a year. And yes, they didn't win every game, but you never saw him sort of mentally sort of have a, a choking you know, sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. What is it you what what kind of things would you work on with a guy like Bowman or a team like the Red Wings or NHL players? And maybe what do you feel is kind of a barrier to the Leafs' success? Is it so much pressure? Um, well, first of all, let me state very clearly, I didn't work on Bowman with anything. I mean, this guy is like an Einstein, right? So, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not helping him in any way. If anything, I learned from him. So let, let's really be clear on that. But... Um, Look, if if the Leafs were to give me a call, not not that they're going to, but uh, if they did, right now today, there'd be two things I would do. I would I would work with I would move the coach more powerfully into the future, and I'd pick one player, and I'd help him connect more powerfully with his past. And and the, the coach being into the future, I would make sure that he just thought he that he has mental movies. It's, it's like a pre-shot routine in golf. I mean, you can you can read Jack Nicholas's book, and he's and he he'll say to you, "I never hit a shot in practice or play without first of all getting a picture in my mind of what I wanted." Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's not your knowledge of the game; it's the pitch. You know, does Sheldon Keith right now today? Does he have a movie in his mind of, of what has to happen in order for his team to succeed? Not just the knowledge, not just the uh, we need to have a better forecheck or right. we need to be more responsible. Or all that kind of left brain stuff is all good, but he's got to translate that into a movie that affects him at an emotional level. And you don't think he does that? You don't think uh, at their level that he has some that they're working with someone like you? I have no idea, but I, I he, he might that they, they might, but ten, then again, what tends to happen with these teams is when they get guys like you know like some kind of sports psychologist or mental coach, they work with the players. They don't tend to work with mm. the coaches. Yeah, in general. And, and then how do you? And then the the key is transferring that vibe, right? So Sheldon Keith has that within him now. It's the players, as you say, just feel it. Or is there any I, method to transfer it? Yeah, I, I mean, it influences his body language. It influences what he says, how he says, and I really think players pick that up. Like they can sense it. I was at dinner the other night, and we were talking about dogs. And this this woman at the, the dinner party happened to say something about, "Well, dogs know if you're afraid, and you know, dogs know if you like them." And well, mm. you know, 
guess what? You walk into a room and you really, truly believe that we can win tonight and you start talking, players sense that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard the analogy last night that, again, as far as being out coached, uh, Paul Maurice to, to Sheldon Keith, that, you know, um, Maurice has the Panthers in the mindset to get the puck, they're willing to go through someone where the Leafs still want to go around someone. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's yeah. I mean, it's got to come from the coach, doesn't it? That that desire. Well, again. that what you said, Freddie. That that vibe's got to come from somewhere. And what yeah. what uh, Kent's saying is that mm-hmm. y- you can't fake that. And and at yeah. some point. You know, they're and listen, the, the Maple Leafs have got some kind of voodoo around the franchise anyway. But you know what I mean? But but mm-hmm. there's but something in the vibe of that mm-hmm. coaching staff, because Kent and I were talking about this yesterday. I said, you know, the yeah. brilliance of Ted Lasso is into season three. He still doesn't know anything about soccer. But his mm-hmm. team has gotten better because he knows something about people. And his vibe is so con- um, contagious and infectious and maybe yeah. that's what's infecting this team in particular and teams in general that you've worked with. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say so. And the other thing is, you know, that they need one player, one player to have that, to have such a belief that, that it just comes out of his pores. You know, somebody like Scotty Bowman during a game or during a season, uh, a series as it's unfolding can switch lines around and it's what you say, it's genius and it works and he has a reason for it. And the impression I get with um, Sheldon Keefe right now, it's desperation. Again, mm-hmm. obviously doesn't have that feeling. He doesn't have that focus or whatever or he's thinking ahead or whatever you've explained. His switching in the lines is almost like, I don't know what else to do. So I right. got to do this. And and, well, I think, look, and players would mm-hmm. sense that. I'm sorry, can't sense go ahead. Sense that, yeah. I, I've never met Sheldon Keith. I, I don't want to. I'm just talking generalities here. Right. I mean, okay. Right. No, I know. This is the humble and Fred mm-hmm. show. It's not the CBC. No one's listening mm-hmm. to this. It's just the three. <laughs> yeah. You know, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, you can't. Our, you, we, can't yeah. our show's like a witness protection program. You don't have to worry. <laughs> you don't right. have to worry about being quoted. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, no, no, I understand. A professional such as like exactly, he's a mature professional without knowing. Yeah, (laughs) but I'm just so and and I want I don't want to belabor this, but so in your experience, um, I guess this has become again part of the everyday sports world. You said that you would have the coach think about uh, a very strong future and a player connect with their past. Before I let you go, what do you mean a player connect with? How do they connect Mm -hmm. with their past? And what would that do for them? If, if I was working with the team uh, at this point uh, today, I would want to identify, I, I'd be saying to myself, okay, who's the influencer in here? Who's the, who's the Mark Messier guy? I mean, he, he's going to be a star, obviously. He's not going to be a fringe player. But, but which one of those top players can be the guy who walks into the room and whether he says nothing or, or whether he, he stands up and speaks to the whole group or whether he talks to who's going to be the influencer? And, and I, would, I would have him connect with some time in the past where he has, you know, overcome the odds, some time in the past where he has performed at a level of you know, breakthrough that's gone, that's gone, you know, exceeded expectations. Or, and I would help him connect with that memory. And connecting with that memory would shift his physiology. He changed his body language. He changed his tone of voice. And, and again, guys would pick that up. Look. Winning's an alchemy. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to go together. At the bottom line, is they got to get some bloody saves. But, 
but at the end of the day that that whole vibrational you know body language belief thing is huge interesting when uh your association with the red wings who was that steve eiserman or uh oh, uh yeah i would say eiserman was the guy that you know in in his way i mean he's a quiet leader he wasn't mm-hmm. a he wasn't a Messier type in the sense that, and I, I don't know Mark Messier, but my no sense predictions, is yeah. <laughs> he, he could stand up and, you know, almost have an intimidating presence in a way. But Eiserman was a quiet leader led by example. And, uh, uh, yeah, okay. you, you, you need that kind of guy. Ken yeah. Osborne, thanks for checking in. I, uh, I knew this. I just, there was just like I say, this came up yesterday, this Ken and I hanging out and a couple of things. I thought, you know, this would be good to talk about whether the wind, whether the Leafs win or lose. There's certainly, I love that word you use. There's some alchemy that doesn't quite work with them. Uh, I follow uh, Kent on Twitter. You should too if you're interested uh, in the mental part of the game of golf at Scratch Attitude. Uh, Kent has a book out, an ebook you can get called, uh, I should know this. Yeah. Attitude, yeah. It's called what? <laughs> it's it's called uh, the player who developed a scratch attitude. Very nice. Thank you, Ken Osborne. You're a good fellow. Okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. One. There you go. Thank you, Ken. Very so good. I thought we would check in with Ken just to have a different perspective before we start taking apart what was another just a ridiculous performance. And I'm not a prognosticator like the great Fred Patterson, but I did say uh, something to you after the. Uh, Either after the second game or during it. It was basically you and I going back and forth, and I said they may never win another game. They, I said they're on their way to being swept, and I think I'm right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't see it. First of all, I don't see how they win another game, but even if they do, so what? They're not going to win this series. Oh, no, the series is lost. Yeah. It was lost. I think you said that at one point we were talking on uh, whenever the last game was, Thursday night. And you had said you know, that to I, me. Yeah, I, I, I just, and again, I have this, it's a funny way I feel. Like last night, I just sat in the couch, and when that overtime goal went in, I didn't, I was, like, I, I really had no emotion. It's just, that's this team now. Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, here's what you said. Um, we were talking back. I said, that I, I, I texted you the first time, when, whatever that was. I said, now that was a shitty goal. And you said, amazing how they can be so intense and then fall asleep. And I said, yeah, it's like making a double bogey from the middle of the fairway. It's needless. It's careless. And then you said, this series may just have ended. And then a little while later. That wasn't last night. No, that was Thursday night. Yeah, that Thursday night, yeah. And then you said to me, uh, they've fallen asleep. And I said, if they lose this game, they might be swept. And uh, last night, Hmm. there was a moment or two when I thought, okay. <clears throat> you know, they could get a goal here. They could win. This is in the third pair. They could win this game and then they'd have a chance. But then when it went into overtime, it was almost, I know I don't have the history you do, but I can tell you, I have a feeling it's almost like the inevitable is about to happen. And Howard, not from this is going to be an even competition. Like often, you know, I mean, Leaf fans have been through my, uh, so much, like, you know, uh, a few previous years, like the series against Montreal, they would get in overtime and totally dominate overtime, and then Montreal would come down and score a goal, and it would be deflating and frustrating. Last night, they weren't even in that overtime. No. It was unbelievable. It was like they were totally disinterested. When, um, what's the kid's name who scored the goal? Uh, uh, Reinhardt. Sam, Sam Reinhardt. 
you know, I think it was Nick Kuperos after the game, I heard him talking, he said he stood there to the blue line, he looked around, he made sure the the team was uh, making their change, and then he just took it into the Leafs' end, like, unchallenged. There was three players, three players. Well, that's the weird thing, is there were three hockey players near him at the Leafs blue line. Mm-hmm. Three of them. And I brought this mm-hmm. up the other day. Like, there's some stuff that we all learn playing peewee and bantam that it seems at times the Leafs, who are supposed to be the best players, these are amongst the best players on in the game, how they didn't know that. How one of them didn't take the man. They all tried to play the puck, which is, you know, fine if you're in the neutral zone or in their end. But when somebody's coming across the blue line, somebody has to take him out. You know, as shocking as it may seem, and I said this to my son-in-law and Danny last night, it almost looks like a conditioning thing on some level. Like it's, the Leafs are like, it looks like they're gassed and they're they're always one step behind. Mm -hmm. They're chasing, chasing, chasing. And you see them on the bench and it's like they're gassed and you look at Florida and they're, they're pumped. It's, how do you explain that? At this point, I think it's a double. I, I, I agree. And it's I, funny, interesting. I curious. I had a similar thought at one point late in the game. I had the thought that it looked like to me they weren't keeping up with the pace. But part of that is physical, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I started thinking about that. I go, well, you know, it's late in the season. They've all been playing a lot of games. But why does why did Flor- uh, Florida have uh, some pep in their step? I'll tell you why. Because they have a belief. Yeah. There's momentum on their side. Even when they were tied, they believe they can win this game. I don't feel, and to Kent's point, I don't feel the vibe. I, I Again, I'm not a 30 million year veteran like you, but I felt as soon as the overtime started that I didn't think the Leafs had a chance to win. No, either did I. And I don't think they thought they had a chance to win. And I thought if they could somehow fluke one like they did yes. in the Tampa series, then it might be a series. But it's not now. But, you know, we're having this conversation. They've played nine playoff games. They've lost five of them. They're one and four at home. In all the playoffs, they have one regulation win. They've only won one game of the nine in regulation time. You know? The last five games, they haven't scored more than two goals. Look at last night. I, you know, like Seattle scored seven and, uh, uh, and and Jersey scored eight. And these are teams that have nowhere near the reputation of the Toronto Maple Leafs for being able to score. And the Leafs' core four have yet to score a goal in this series. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, there's no excuses for that. Somewhere in the three games, you need those guys That's to right. score. That's yeah. what you're being paid for. Well, you know, again, because if statistically, if those guys are producing zero, mm-hmm. then your second and third lines, you know, mm-hmm. who aren't supposed to produce at the rate they are. And what Ken said, too, about just one guy. You need one guy. That sort of steps up like an Iserman or a Messier. I know I'm, you know, older guys. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, somebody to step up and say, okay, I'm going to drag you guys with me. You know, it's like a Wendell or a Dougie G. And you said something the other day I thought was really, really interesting, too. Interesting, smart, funny about, mm-hmm. you know, when those guys are producing, when those guys step up, it's almost like the other guys get dragged with them because they're like, fuck, man, if he's working that hard, I'd better as well. Right. But there was none of that. And, and listen, I'm a bit of a Mitch Marner fan. I like the way he plays. But last night, he was horrible. Just fucking useless. And Marner. Even, yeah. Uh, and, 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 but I'm saying ahead. Marner, also useless. 
Yeah, Marner and and Matthews too. You mean? Um, I'm sorry, Marner Matthews. Yes, because both Marners. <laughs> I think that core four, John Tavares included, they don't want any part of it. It's 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 too much work for them. How can to that play, be? To play, I don't know, Howard. Here's another point: Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner will win Stanley Cups probably. But here's, I think, what's going to happen. It won't be in Toronto, mm-hmm. but they will be picked up by teams that have a management style or knowledge that knows how to put playoff teams together, and they will be complements to the end cause. These two guys, as your sort of figureheads, your two, the guys, they're just, they're not, you know, and I I really enjoyed listening to Nick Kiprios last night because he kept saying that there's just no physicality there. And I don't mean drop the gloves and fight, and it doesn't mean smashing a guy into a board. It's just being, wanting the puck as much as the other guy. Yeah. And it's just, with those guys, it's not there, man. And, and wow. I get back to mm-hmm. how that, that goal that ended the game, mm-hmm. for me as the playoff bandwagon fan so how many games have i watched six and how many is that now four so i've watched mm-hmm. 10 games that to me epitomizes the effort of the of the team last night yeah because that goal that that is was such a shitty goal mm-hmm. that, that the fact that he was allowed to get around because mm-hmm. that, that whole o- thing in overtime in overtime where yeah. you think you think okay guys we're going to come back out you know if we because to Sheldon Keith's, uh, hey, if we win this, we're back in this series. And, if, you know, the thing is, if you lose this, it's over now. And to, yeah, to have yeah. that little, as my, my dad used to use this all the time, to be that lackadaisical around, yes. the, around one guy, not three on three. It was three on one at that blue line. Mm-hmm. He, should have never, he should have never, that play should never have developed. No. And, the, you know, and we talk about giveaways. Giving the puck away last night was just... Like Ryan O'Reilly in 2019, he was the Conn Smith, Smith Trophy winner. He led the St. Louis Blues to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Him giving the puck away last yeah, night—it's almost like some contagious, <laughs> as you said, voodoo thing. Like, oh yeah, what's going on? How did he do that in the NHL? But here's another stat: like last night, forget giveaways, takeaways. I don't know what the numbers were, but it was something like 24 to six for Florida going and taking that puck away yeah like that's a that's a big stat and l- listen i don't know the extent to what um Ilya, uh samsonov was injured but when he's leaving i'm thinking you better be fucking injured buddy to leave this game at this point i think he it's was just, yeah, he, he laid been a wonk- yeah it's been a wonky thing with these goalies though they're so quick to go like him and uh matt murray and yeah but he got he listen there he was injured in the last game there was a couple of shots of him trying to stretch his left knee he got stung a couple of times but that uh i think he was listen he laid there for a long time without actually moving that's not a great sign i thought the kid that came in did a nice job i don't think it was it wasn't his fault no i mean i don't know that the overtime goal was the greatest goal i'd ever seen but it was that the, the 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 fact that he was allowed to score wasn't the goalie's fault. It was the three guys at the blue line's fault. Oh yeah, and then behind the net and just just horrific. Like, <laughs> yeah, just what, total. So what was total your, disarray? Here was your note to me. Disarray. Here's your note to me at the end of the game. Oh, so no, first Freddie. No, I. So we were. I think in between periods, you wrote embarrassing. The giveaways are something else, and I wrote back. I have found a, a meme. Try harder, do better. 
<laughs> I thought you'd like that. Try harder, do better. And then you write, that O'Reilly giveaway was epic. And I said, no, it was a perfect leaf pass. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, Fred's the final thoughts to me, might be the worst game I've ever seen them play. I respond, pretty gross, actually. And it, it was. was I, I don't know if it's the worst game I've ever seen them play, but it was the worst game of these playoffs. Yes. How, and that and that's the thing, you know, how you determine that based on what was on the line and the way they played. Yeah. That's what I'm, you know, I mean, in Leaf, in miserable, miserable Leaf history, of course, there's been games. Oh, yeah. No, I get it. They you have, are right. They, they've played worse. But could with that much on the line, could you be any worse is the way I look at that. It's like, and, you know, and after the game, like. And somebody else said it last week, you know, what Marner and Matthews have to realize, you know, what comes with those contracts that you demanded and which which prevented the team from spreading money around a little better. And what comes with the, you know, the bet 365 commercials and the in the and the, and the Uber Eats with with Marner, what comes with all that? Is delivering in situations like that? Yeah, because if you don't. All that stuff will go away. So you can't all have all the good shit, right? Without earlier in the, in, in the Tampa series, I said to you, "Big players need to play big." I know yeah. not that it wasn't that profound, but it's what you just said. The reason you have big players is that you hope at least one of those core four, as they call them, that mm-hmm. one of them would be having a great series, dragging the team with him. So I have another buddy from the golf world who's, they're all huge Leaf fans. I feel bad for him. He's one to know if I was watching the game. I said, I'm cheering for them. I just hope they stay awake for the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then after the, uh, after the first period, when I think they were leading one nothing, were they I not leading? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wrote to him, I said, even when they're winning, it looks like they're being outplayed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was uh, a, an, an, an apt observation because it did look they were leading on the score sheet, but it looked like they'd been outplayed. Well, Howard, that was the whole Tampa series. They were the second best team in that Tampa series. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got some wildly fortunate breaks, which they haven't got in this series. But generally, I mean, you go down the stat sheet, Tampa outplayed them, outpossessioned them, you know, had less giveaways, more takeaways. They've been horrible on the playoffs. Again, they've played nine games. They're four and five, one and four at home. <laughs> like it's, it's unbelievable. One regulation win. One regulation win. It's like the, the fact that they still have another game to play is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, when I said to you, I think they'll be swept, it wasn't like, I hope they'll be swept. It just doesn't look like they can beat these guys. And again, it's funny, like, they, they it's funny. It's, uh, you know, you watch them score the first goal, and you think, I, I didn't think, okay, here we go. I was like, all right, you know, you know. When is when is Tampa going to score a goal? Right. And then when uh, Samsonov got injured... And left, you think, oh fuck, <laughs> you know, like is this some of the leaf luck? Like, but I, I didn't know anything about the backup guy Wall or whatever. And, and again, you know, he did okay for someone coming in off the bench. By the way, when just did a kid? He's just a kid. So when did I go? I know I haven't watched a lot of hockey, so pardon my ignorance. When did they stop allowing the backup to get fucking warmed up? And what's the logic there? 
I don't get that. Like, not two minutes to get warmed up, take a few shots? Well, they, they did. They, they, I think through injury you're allowed to. He got no oh. warm-ups. They oh. started the play immediately. I thought if you just arbitrarily decided to switch no, goalies, sure. you couldn't. Oh, okay. I, you know, that's I, that's something I haven't even noticed. I'm, I thought he didn't take through one injury shot. You, you get warm-up. Oh, okay. It's funny. I Put his mask that. on, got in the net. They took the face off, and uh, he was in the game. Uh-huh. I just thought it was weird. I just I didn't know. I thought maybe there's some rule for delay of game or somebody was abusing uh-huh. that. Or, But, you know, if I was a member of the board at Bell or Rogers right now, that's the questions today. I that, That's the questions I'd be asking was would be Seattle, their second year in the league, <laughs> scored seven goals last night. They lead their series against Dallas, a great team. You know, Jersey came from nowhere in the past two years. Now, much better team than the Leafs, obviously. Well, I thought, uh, eight goals. Who are, and and uh, Edmonton's playing Las Vegas, right? Yeah. I had that. Who Vegas won? Is, pardon? Who won that game? Or is it tonight? Um, well, Edmonton came back in game two and smoked them. Okay, so it's, that series is tied and they're playing tonight. Yeah. And guess who got two goals each? Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. There you go. stars. Yeah. Stepped it up. Dreisaitl has like 14 goals now in the playoffs, something like that. It's uh, Well, I can say with uh, some uh, honesty around this, the first time I don't feel all of your pain, but I can feel some of it because it's a drag. You know, I've invested uh, a few weeks in this, and uh, it's sort of a drag watching them just not because you want them. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not cheering against them. I want them to do well, but it's mm-hmm. becoming evident every period that passes that they don't have it. They don't have the they don't have no. the firepower. And I don't mean uh, puck wise, just the, the the presence on the ice that yeah. Florida has. Because no. Florida has some presence. Those Stahl right. brothers, uh, what's his name, Tuchuk, there's some presence on there. Mantour, uh, Reinhardt's a nice player. That There's another point, too. Tuchuk really wasn't a factor last night. No. I don't even really hear recall hearing his name much. No, he wasn't. Although that's one thing. This whole chewing the mouthpiece thing. Like, yeah, it's so weird. Huh? You know what they got to do now? It's got to be keep it in or take it out because... Go on, somebody could hit him, and that could like fall on the ice, and somebody skate on it. I no, mean, that no, it's sounds. But it, I think that's dangerous. Anyway, the last thing I will say about this is um, Brendan Shanahan. Just remember this: it was a pivotal moment. He had Lou Lamorano, Lamorello, and and Mark Hunter, two seasoned NHL guys, that he sort of abandoned. For Kyle Dubas, a rookie general manager that had only been an OHA major junior A hockey, big analytics kid, you know, the wave of the future. That has proved ultimately to be a big mistake because this kid cannot. You got to build a team for the playoffs. It's part of what you do because that's all that matters. This team obviously not built for the playoffs. And then Dubas, because he's in control, thinks it's a good idea to get a guy like Sheldon Keefe for this team a rookie coach never coached in the NHL before so you got it's got to go back up to Brendan Shanahan so again if I'm on the board of directors of Rogers or Bell it's like I'm asking him some him some big questions today I really am well, I'll let you have the last word because you are the, uh, you know, you're the sports expert. Uh, I, uh, I thought you'd enjoy uh, Kent. He's such a sweet guy. and um, Very nice. Very and nice. just, uh, you know, there's a guy that's been in the room with Scotty Bowman. You know, he uh, he's very, Kent's very humble. 
Uh, but he's got some cred, man. He's done some great work with those people. And just goes to show you that there is, I love that word he used, there's, there's an alchemy to a team's success that is missing from this team. The Kraken, the, the, the Edmonton Oilers, Tampa Bay, Florida. There's a vibe about those guys. And I could see it. Mm-hmm. You could see it right away in, mm-hmm. in Florida. I'd never seen a, a game this season. But that first game mm-hmm. I said to you, those guys are big, strong, fast. And for some reason, they're committed to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you who uh, we're committed to are the people that support us each and every day. And we'd like you to support them. Do you understand? And, you know, this isn't going to make anybody feel better because, you know, according to the, you know, the experts, the people that have to make these decisions with so much money on the line, the Maple Leafs are still favored to win game four on Wednesday night. Minus 125 over the Florida Panthers at plus 105. It's, uh, of course, those odds are down a bit from what they were earlier in the season. However, to win the series now, <laughs> Florida minus 1,200. So, as far as they're concerned, uh, the Leafs have a shot maybe at winning a game. But Florida has pretty much won the series. Tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room, to their fully loaded casino and race book, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Yeah, I had a thought last night when it was over. I was going up to bed. I thought, you know, I don't really even bother watching the next game now. Like, yeah. Like, because, you, know, uh, you know, they could win it. That would be great. But it's like, okay, then what? Are they going to win four fucking straight? No, I think, yeah. I don't think there's enough there to rise up on a fourth game. You know, crazier things have happened. My brother-in-law said he was here yesterday and made that point that he's made a concerted effort over the past couple of years to sort of cut them out of his life because, and I'm thinking, you know, I cut social media out of my life. I've tried to try, I'm trying very hard cable news to cut out of my life, but doing a pretty good job. Is it going to come to that? Cut these guys out of Because they just make you feel bad all the time. Um, perhaps, uh, and we'll get back to that in a second. First, let me tell you about an emerging international junior mining and exploration company. Let me do that for you. They're trying to get boron out of the earth. Boron One is the name. You can find out more at AaronVentures.com. I don't want to confuse you, but uh, they're trading under the uh, name Boron One. Their strategy is to uncover and capitalize on unique development opportunities. Get your person, your Sherpa, or even the Sherpa, to check this company out. Their objective is to increase its mineral reserves by developing current properties. And they've got a, uh, they've got a pretty good one. And through the addition, uh, the acquisition of additional mining projects. AaronVentures.com. That's AaronVentures.com. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toronto Mike just made a, a cute comment. He said, when you're numb, there is no pain. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but just think of the history of the franchise again. So they had a lot of things come together. They had a couple of shitty years, but it allowed them to get Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. They signed John Tavares. All this stuff for the first time in a couple of generations. All this stuff came together. Yeah. That gave you hope that this team could be dominant. And then they turn it around and put it in the hands of a kid. 
with no experience. I recall when they signed Matthews. How many uh-huh. years ago is that now? Oh, uh, that would be 15, 16, maybe. Yeah, it's been around that long. So I maybe remember 16. you saying, remarking, you said you were excited because you said something to the effect of, you know, I watched all these other teams get the number one guy, and now we got the number one guy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a nice player, you know, but he's not. The, he, he doesn't seem to me, from what my, my limited observations of three or four years of playoff hockey, mm-hmm. none of those guys you mentioned, the core four, seem to me like the kind of player that just takes the team and drags them with him. No. And I'm not, I'm not going to say I feel bad for John Tavares, but he is a very flaccid ca- uh, captain from my perspective. Uh, he just is, you know. Johnny doesn't come off the ice and the rest of the guys are going, oh, look what he just did, man. Yeah. Like, how, how do we do anything but that? As, uh, again, I, I keep referring to Nick uh, saying last night, is, you know, Tavares is great. Three, four feet in front of the net and tipping pucks and stuff. But as far as a physical presence, a dominant presence, yeah. a guy that will go through you instead of around you, no, not there. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't feel it. I, I've watched uh, again, you know, this year, last year. I, I don't. He's a again a nice player. And why is it? Before we we're going to wrap this up, I promise everyone. Uh, why is it that these players, the guy O'Reilly who gave away the puck like like a mm-hmm. fucking bantam player, why is it they did okay other places and they can't do here? And I think it gets back to what Ko was talking about. Kent Osborne yeah. was talking about the vibe. The vibe of the team is wrong. There's something about them that, at, whether it's the coach, the general manager, mm-hmm. the star players, it just doesn't gel here. All right, uh, there well, you go. One other thing, I, I go back to the, like in 1993, and even with Pat Quinn in the early 2000s, when those teams actually overachieved, you know, Cliff Fletcher was the general manager of the uh, of the Leafs, and he had come from the Montreal organization. He had the ability, you know, to look ahead to the playoffs and get the type of players you need to compete in the playoffs. And he put that thing together. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the playoffs happened and they overachieved because the right parts for the playoffs, because it's a, as you know, it's a whole different kettle of fish. And, and this guy here, Dubas has, uh, you know, he missed the boat, man. Wow. Well, and Fletcher, of course, uh, did he not put together the uh, Flames winning uh, team, Stanley Cup team in the late 80s? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I spoke of Ted Lasso and the the irony, you know, sort of the irony is he knows nothing about soccer and yet his team's coming together and overachieving, etc. Did you watch the latest episode? Yes. It's just I, I just so don't want this series, this series to end. And I said to myself, because that's who I talked to mostly. I said, uh, I said, I think when I when it's over, I'm going to start again. On uh, Bill Brio's recommendation, I did start again with Barry. Uh, that series Bill had mentioned last week, and Dan, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you've seen it with Bill Hader. It's and and Henry Winkler is so good in it. And it's caught my attention again. I guess sometimes you just need somebody to give you a nudge. But I've, I watched about four or five episodes of that in the weekend. 
Um, yeah, I, st- I started in on Barry uh, a while ago. I watched most of the first season. Do you like I, it? Yeah, you know, it's like it was a good, good. I wasn't into another season of it, but I might go back and revisit. Yeah, it. it's, it's a bit, you know, you know, it's sort of cool. But I guess I, I don't know where it can go. He's a, but I thought there were some cute moments, so I, I like that. And also uh, the uh, series that Freddie and I. Do you watch ever watch uh, the fabulous or whatever amazing Mrs. Maisel? I'm a little behind on that right now. Yeah, the last season is uh, the, the, this. This is the last season they're doing of that, and I'm on whatever episode. But it's been pretty good this year, and, and they're wrapping that up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Danny ever saw that. I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, first season I kind of got into, and then uh, haven't followed up after that one as well. Saw a good space movie. Went to took myself to a space movie. Uh, Guardians? Guardians loved it, man. Loved oh, it. Yeah. That was a like uh, two hundred seventy-eight million dollar opening weekend. You would love it, Dan Duran. It's got great space stuff, great space vehicles, and great special effects in space and beyond. It was good. Good. I'll have to go. My uh, niece was here yesterday. She was saying that she has two teenage daughters, the four of them, her and her husband, and the two girls. They went to a movie and. It was like $120 or something, again, with a couple of snacks and stuff. She hadn't been in a couple of years. Well, if you go VIP, for sure, like VIP is $24 a ticket. Wow. I uh, Whatever it was, and I'm thinking, wow, that's that's a good argument for a big screen TV. Well, VIP is is a small theater usually, isn't it? With really comfortable seats and a smallish theater, they. I, I wish I could remember they. They have a clever tagline there at the Cineplex. It's not. It's not like there's no place like home. But it's basically they're trying to say to people. I, I wish well, I'll remember it this right. week. But they're trying to say to people that it's not. It's not like watching right. a, at home. Like here's the thing about a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy. You'd enjoy it on your big screen, but it's made for a movie theater. Right. Whereas, like, right. you don't need to see the whale at the at the uh, movies. You can see it on, you know, that's more of an intimate sort of film. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I get that. Um, it's more, it's a different experience. Sometimes I find the theater too loud, though. Oh, yeah. And cold. I find the theater cold. I was sitting there, I was a little bit cold. And, you know, <laughs> It's a blanket. I know. It's like this review. Well, we don't like loud noises. We get cold and our scabs won't heal. (laughs) Dan, it's real life, man. God damn real. Soon Soon you just want to stay at home all the time. What do you mean soon? Try the last last 60 years. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. A hell of a guy with a hell of a big one. The quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes. As for credentials, he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dander and the anchorman's here. He's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care. And his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now finally returning to the anchor chair. Live from Lisa's house with news and views. Here's Donald Duran. Hey, if you haven't heard about the U.S. debt limit issue, you may want to pay attention as the McCarthy Republicans could blow up the world economy because, uh, well, they just lay like chaos, Mm. I guess. 
So basically, Americans have to vote to. No, nobody else does this, by the way. They have to vote to increase the limit on the amount that they can borrow to pay for things they have already approved and spent money on. So the political terrorists in the House want to negotiate terms to increase it, like, you know, they, you know, some sort of budgetary something or other. And the Democrats won't even discussing it because they've they've been down this road before and it doesn't pay off. So June 1st ish is the deadline before defaulting. And because the world relies on the solid American buck and you can get into the weeds on this, the world economy could tank if they don't uh, approve it because there's so much that that's riding on this. Biden is Biden is meeting tomorrow with the leaders of the Senate and the House. But I wouldn't hold your breath. And if you've heard anything about this, there's all kinds of theories of how to end run around this. And mm. one of them is to uh, to mint a, a trillion dollar coin and then walk it over to the Fed and deposit it. You know, with a lot of security, I would imagine. I'm not sure a lot of us understand what you just said, except the world economy is about to collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that. But, you know, that this isn't new, this whole debt ceiling deadline or controversy. Well, what's there, new is the negotiation, though, right? No, of course. But I'm just saying, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to resolve it because mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Just in their uh, sweet, slimy way, the current Republicans, you know, they'll do all they can between now and the final moment to try and look, make Biden look bad. That's that's just their strategy. But it will be resolved because they don't want the world economy to tank. <laughs> you know, but I think part of what Dan said is true. Like they they want they love chaos, the Congress. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's what they are. They're agents of chaos. Um, By the way, if Biden's so horrible and just as bad or worse than Trump, how come he hasn't been impeached yet? Or how come he hasn't been charged with any crimes? How come he, yeah, he's not, how come he's not on trial for rape right now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> how come he's not? Uh, where's all that? You know. um, Dan, do you have a second story? Because I have a, a nice piece of audio I think you guys would enjoy. Well, I have a second story. Okay, hang on a second. Let me get to the uh, sound effects. Have a second story. Yeah, yeah, a second story. story. Big story, yeah. And now... With his second story, live from Lisa's house, Dan Duran, News and Views. Being a hotel night manager is a good job for a foot fetishizer. Hmm. The night manager at the Nashville Hilton Hotel has been arrested after a guest reported that he woke up in the middle of the night to find a dude (laughs) sucking on his toes. Hmm. He instantly jumped up the screen. What what do you want? (laughs) What What are you in my room? What are you doing here? Uh, and uh, he's also uh, the the victim uh, has said he's had problems sleeping since and is going through some sort of foot PTSD <laughs> therapist. The really? manager is on twenty seven thousand dollar bond. He's jail. Uh, he's fifty two, and he told cops he left. He let himself into the room because he smelled smoke mm. Mm. coming from the guy's feet. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just putting he up the fire exactly by licking yeah. them. <laughs> The thing about uh, that, I mean, okay, so the guy's a bit traumatized by having that happen. But to me, I would think, okay, what are the chances that's ever going to happen again? (laughs) Like, you could basically, you could basically cross that off your anxiety list, and I have Uh one. (laughs) You could cross that off your anxiety to-do list, guy sucking my toes in the middle of the night in a hotel, because that's been done now. (laughs) Yeah. Do you guys let your dog uh, dogs uh, lick your toe? If I had a cut on my toe, I would let my dog lick it. 
<laughs> Listen, okay. my if I had sweaty, greasy feet. Oh dog, yes, my dog Billy. When I take my shoes and socks off, and she had a big long tongue, she'd get right up between the toes. And oh everything. yeah, it was it was ecstasy. <laughs> what about if you had a hemorrhoid? What about if you had a hemorrhoid? Would she get in there as well? Oh, I'm sure any dog would go for that. Oh you know? yes. <clears throat> Listen, I got a, a piece of audio uh, that has to do with. Uh, well, something. I'll, I'll set it up in a second. But first, Fred, let's talk about the man who is leading us, who's our, uh, who's got, who's got our backs. Uh, Tim Nimblet, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Timmy's down in uh, uh, Tampa right now on some business. Good for him. Uh, on Wednesday, he's going to be talking about um, estate planning. You know, wills, taxation, trusts, insurance, how it plays a part. Maybe legacy. You want to set up a legacy for your family. Uh, you know, so you're remembered quite fondly for, you know, providing... Uh, He's the Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. All right, here's a little uh, audio I think you'll enjoy. Uh, I'll just let it go. It's a guy, um, it's a a gentleman talking to a crowd of people at a meeting, and uh, he's comparing, uh, well, you'll just hear it. And he said, Dad, guess which is it? Is it NBA or NFL? 36 have been accused of spousal abuse. Seven have been arrested for fraud. 19 have been accused of writing bad checks. 117 have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. 71, I repeat, 71 cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. 14 have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. (laughs) Oh, God. And that came to us from one of our listeners, Paul Sterling. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Paul lives in uh, London, Ontario. Isn't that great? Yeah. That's the U.S. Congress, folks. And what was the number there? 400 and something? And, you know. Yeah, 435 members of Congress. And there's way more than that that play in the NBA and play in the NFL, like numbers-wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. 380, you know, charges, uh, different things. Oh, yeah. And that's on both there's, sides. There's more criming per capita in that group than, oh, absolutely. than most. Um, oh, yeah. I've got some uh, I've got some audio from uh, the Trump deposition stuff on the weekend, but we, I maybe uh, maybe won't play it. Maybe we'll save it. We'll see how this this goes. But there's going to be a pretty significant uh, jury. Uh, I mean, sort of judgment coming down in this jury trial that E. Jean Carroll is charging him with rape and defamation of character. And unlike anything else he's ever been involved with, he is uh, there's going to be a, a really bad outcome for him in this almost and not waiting until December like that other trial thing this is going to come pretty quickly did you see any of the video of him talking about how it's okay to rape people because he's a star yeah that's old though isn't it no this is a he gave this he gave this deposition last fall and it's the first time this has come out and again, I hate his guts, but you got to be careful with that. The way the question was asked, he's not saying, yeah, it's okay. He was just 
saying that traditionally those things have happened. So you come to the conclusion that, yeah, these things happen. So it's not like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's, if you were on a jury and you saw that. There, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't. That, that wouldn't be. I'm going to tell you. If you're on the jury who sees this, you're going to think this guy raped this woman, and because he thinks oh, it's because no, it goes but to his a, state of mind. Oh no, I understand that. It's going to be up to his lawyers to do to sort of say what I just said. You know, the context in which he said it wasn't as direct as maybe you make it sound or people want it to believe. Okay, it doesn't make it any better, but you know. Okay, well here's the actual audio of it then. And you say, and again, this has become very famous in this video. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. Oh, by the way, what's significant about this, too, is that everyone has heard that Access Hollywood thing. But it's never, and and there was, of course, the, the court of public opinion about it. Which is hysterical because the Republicans were, tried to minimize it. But this is the first time it's ever actually going to be adjudicated by people on its merit. In yeah, terms, and that's of, what she's referring to right here, right? The yeah, access absolutely. Hollywood thing. So listen yes, to yes, his reaction. Yeah, yeah. You can do anything. Grab them by the. You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the. Well, that's what it's. If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been. Yeah, the last million years, you fucking. Actually, true. Not always, but largely true. Unfortunately, or fortunately. Fortunately, or fortunately, who says that? And you consider yourself uh, to be a star. I think you can say that. Yeah. And so he's just said stars are okay to fucking grab women by the pussy, fortunately or unfortunately. And you, sir, are a star. Yes. Like, I would see the stupid. This guy was in charge. <laughs> but honestly, Howard, he doesn't really say it's OK. He's saying it has happened. And I think it's referrals to Epstein and all and Matt Lauer and all these incidents along the way. I know. But he, sure. but, but she's talking about the, the tape that says that he said it's OK. Anyway, listen to the now you said before a couple of minutes ago that this was just locker room talk. It's locker room talk. And so does that mean that you didn't really mean it? No, it's locker room talk. I don't know. It's just the way people talk. So he didn't he, he didn't say no. I didn't mean it. Yeah. No. I know what you're saying, that they're going to be able yeah. to make it look like he's just making a comment on society. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, and Trump talks that way all the time. Yeah. And all the time and, he talks And that's that no way. excuse. But I, again, that'll be the spin. Well, we'll see. Okay, we'll see what a jury says. When, we'll see what a jury thinks of that. But again, what's it going to matter? Because the people, that base is not going to. They will, yeah, it won't matter at all. That. I know. Huh? It well, like, may not matter, but at some point, one of the. One, something is going to matter to this guy and his yeah, chances. Again, I keep hearing that late June, the Georgia one's going to come through, and that's going to be huge. But no, oh, we've heard that before, too. Yeah, I know. Uh, Dan Duran, what a ray of sunshine you are to bring to our world today with your news and your views and your. And so, what do you do now that you have no uh, work here in Toronto? You, or are you going to be starting a new project? Well, I've got uh, one more day today. I've got to go and do some cleanup, and mm. then uh, and then she's asked me to do one more little little thing. So I'm going to do that. Oh, I bet you she has. Mm-hmm. Dan Duran, the handyman. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, 
It's another part of the house that okay. I hadn't. The one is piece it the bedroom that she needs some help in? Down <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the know, boudoir. It's the balcony. It's the balcony. Oh, interesting. You want to do it on the balcony, you cad? Yeah. What are you going to do to the balcony? I'm going to paint the balcony and you know, floor it. Oh my God! You're going to be there for another month. <laughs> another year why not throw a year at it yeah why not well listen uh, thanks to our friend uh, Kent Osborne bringing in some perspective uh, tomorrow on the program uh, please join us another humble and Fred uh, we're going to have uh, Larry Fedoric return telling some interesting stories and now here's Dan Duran everybody this episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa the Chambers Plan Bodog Aaron Ventures EVNet.ca and our newest sponsor Architect Outdoor Living Better Building by Design we read all of our emails we have a Friday email show and we you know read them uh, you know, randomly so Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com liking subscribing that helps us out too by charging up the getting notice algorithm so does getting your friends to just one show. Just one show. For Hubble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, dogs lick everything. Do you really want them licking your Enjoy every goddamn day. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?